Well, hello, and welcome to the Insecurity Project. I'm your host, Jamin Fraser, and I am on a mission to end the unnecessary suffering caused by the fear of not being good enough. We've all got it. We've all got to work through it. But thankfully, there is a clear, intelligent, and complete solution to the insecurity problem, and that is what this project is all about. Hope you enjoyed today's program. Hey friends, you're on the Insecurity Project with Jamin. Uh, Today, another episode by popular demand, hearing from someone who's been on a personal development journey for a while and getting to see some of the end results. I've done coaching sessions with people at the very beginning of their journey and people are always fascinated. What happened next? What did they do? Did change stick? Did they re- did they get the things that they were looking for? So, I've got Miranda with me today, and mm-hmm. I'm super stoked to be able to uh, share her story with you because, um, yeah, it's it's a really beautiful story, and Miranda is a beautiful human being, and um, the the result of her doing some amazing work in her own life means that she gets to share who she is in the world and everybody wins. So Miranda, thanks so much for being willing to share your story today. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me and yeah, giving you the opportunity to do this. Awesome. Okay, cool. Um, so paint a bit of a picture for us all around what life was like for you um, before you decided to, to dive down this rabbit hole and start doing some pretty intensive work on your own being and your own story. What, what were the points of pain? Yes, well, I mean, you know, I don't want to go into all the depths of it because we would be here for a very long time, I think. But um, <laughs> the crux of it is where, you know, where I was really coming to the point of coaching with you because I sort of had been exploring coaching and psychology and counselling for, you know, 15 years myself um, in my studies. The point when I came to, to approaching you um, was that I, I think I felt like my life was just one big mess and it had just been this accumulation of, painful things, painful thoughts and emotions and behaviors and habits that I didn't like. And, and really, like, my whole life was just shattered to pieces when I sort of came to you in a lot of ways. Um, and mm. really, I look back and I see that it was a result of, you know, a whole journey of these beliefs and limiting beliefs that I'd held on to since I was a very young child. And I think it just, the times you try and run away from it, you try and cope or distract or deny um, but, you know, I really came to you just feeling like I couldn't distract anymore, I couldn't numb anymore, couldn't deny anymore. Like, it was just a mess and I didn't know how to pick it all up, even though I knew coaching, I knew information. Uh, I was just really stuck. And I think, um, to really sort of cut a long story short, uh, I was about 30 years old, you know, when I came to you and I uh, just, I used to think I had a great childhood. And look, my parents are awesome. I had, I did have a good one. But... Again, we can always interpret things and, and little insignificant things in, in an unhealthy way. And I think as a kid, there was a part of me that believed, you know, I wasn't lovable, I wasn't beautiful, I wasn't desirable, I wasn't good enough. Um, and there was just this part of me that felt disconnected from people and I was going to be abandoned. There was this sort of stuff. And again, it was, ne- it was never treated poorly. I had a really great sort of childhood growing up overseas. My dad was a pilot, like all this stuff but little things around my childhood, I just had these beliefs and these feelings of hopelessness, you know, even down that was coming out. And then I'd always try and escape these emotions and these beliefs about myself. So as I grew up, I I would try and, you know, start chasing guys and and boyfriends when I was a teenager and and in my 20s, thinking that, you know, if I could just get love from a man, then 
I'd finally feel desirable and wanted, you know? Yeah. And often I, I thought, well, I had to have a good body and I had to feel attractive if I was going to even get their attention. So I'd always try and get a good body or eat this, you know, certain way to, to get that love as well. Um, but it, again, always fluctuated. It was always, my weight was often up and down, even though I was a personal trainer and my eating was up and down. The men relationships were up and down because I was always chasing what I wanted to have and what I thought I should be doing, but I was never dealing with the belief at all. And I wasn't even really yeah. looking at that and even know that was the cause. Um, and so when I had a relationship, I still didn't believe I was lovable or beautiful because I didn't believe that. And so it doesn't matter how much someone cares about you. You don't see it that way. It won't matter. Um, mm. It didn't matter what weight I got to. If I got down quite a low weight, I still wanted more. I still needed more. I never saw myself as beautiful. And so when I came to you, it was just an accumulation of all these problems, all these beliefs, all these feelings. And then the sort of crux of it all is... Um, I, yeah, just before 30, thought I was sort of starting to figure out life. I, my, I was pregnant, six months pregnant with my baby. Um, had my husband, was with him for, for 10 years of dating and, and married for all up throughout that time. And then I had a, a good job and I was going to start a business in well-being speaking. And I sort of thought I started to figure it out, and starting to work life out. And then instantly my husband and I... Um, separated really suddenly it was a big shock and he had a bit of a crisis and he couldn't deal with it so we separated and I was facing being a single mom um, without my husband who I loved for 10 years and um, yeah not even knowing how on earth I was going to do a well-being business because I actually felt like killing myself at that time my whole life had been so shattered um, mm. financially I was so insecure as well and so that was an accumulation of all of that. When I came to you, I, I tried everything to build my life back up together. I, I tried to grieve. I tried to you know, find other men. I tried to get my body back in shape. I, I tried to get a business and all these things I tried to do to fix myself. But again, it was still the same pattern. Nothing was working because it was about actions and having things. It wasn't ever about my insides and, and dealing. So, yeah, that's where I came to before you. It was all a mess. Everything I tried hadn't worked, <laughs> and I was sort of, uh, yeah. Yeah, amazing. Thank you for sharing so openly. And and really interestingly, like you were 30, which is, uh, I bang on all the time about the 35 to 40 window being the ideal time for change, um, mm. but you were outside the curve. You were ready early, yeah. and, and yeah. people can make change <laughs> at any time. Like, that's the distinction. I think it's harder the younger you are. And the older you are. Uh, and I think yeah. one of the things around being young is often you don't have enough pain to drive change. You know, you yeah. you went from feeling like, oh, I'm working life out, it's all okay, to then yeah. having that illusion shattered by something yeah. that was not expected. You're like, oh, we are pain to the max times 10. Yeah, um, that's right. But that, pain, but that pain was useful because you you actually allowed it to drive you to face some stuff. And so, yeah. Acknowledge your yeah. readiness and, and your courage to face that at, a, at an earlier age than most people are ready. So Yeah, and I think you um, know, it was really an identity crisis that you can have a crisis or you can have a creation. I, I knew I had a point of change where I could get broken down and just become a mess from all of that or yeah. I could use this as an opportunity to really stop this whole pattern and not pass it on to my son. So that's what I chose in the end. Yeah, sure. Um, now, I think... Sometimes people underestimate the work involved in this kind of change work. Like this is the the journey you've been on has, has been epic, and I can remember some painful conversations and some 
some moments of being stuck and some moments mm. of some offensive conversations and, some, mm. Mm. you know, there was some hard work to be done. I think sometimes people underestimate the work involved in change. Um, oh, so yeah. can, you, can you tell us a bit of a picture around some of the key moments for you where things started to shift and, and perhaps even um, if you can uh, remember some of the key learnings yeah, yeah I, I think that transformation happens off the back of of knowledge, really. Like you, teach, when you actually get to understand some principles and some processes, then that gives you the capacity to think differently and explore stuff that previously had been stuck to you. You know, rather yeah. than just, oh, just stop it, just try harder, just don't do that anymore. That kind of yeah, never helped yeah. anyone. You kind of need to yeah. learn some stuff first. So, yeah, do you want to tell us a bit about some of the key breakthrough moments and particularly yeah. some of the the learnings that, that enabled those breakthroughs? Yeah, definitely. I'd love to. So, you know, what you say about knowledge is so important. And I guess for me, I found like, because I'd studied, you know, eight years of psychology, counselling, coaching, I had a lot of knowledge, but it was really at that time, my crisis point, I sort of, I had to put in practice, you know, because knowledge is great, but the application is what matters. And um, yeah. I think that was the, the first key thing, that, that pain point. That was a key moment of, of crisis for me. And at the beginning, like, it took me sort of a year to seek you out after my the separation. And I think at the beginning, I just was in such survival mode trying to figure out how to be a single mom and a new baby. And I'd actually started my business as well, which was a pretty crazy thing to do. But um, I think I was in survival mode. But then, you know, the pain just really built up. So that was a key moment, I remember. And amongst that as well, something before I'm, I met up with you and, and that was found really powerful was, um, this idea of self-compassion from Kristen Neff, I remember, you know, I really was beating myself up about my husband and my relationship and, and what had happened and, and really blaming myself for it wholly. And uh, self-compassion was a really key idea of just loving me and, and treating me with kindness and not judgment. And I remember we spoke a lot about that as well at the beginning of like, there's no point of judging. We don't actually learn anything from judgment. We, we learn from curiosity and openness and love ourselves so that was the first key moment for me before that I didn't even know I was so critical of myself you know when we have a new critic it's so just in our head so changing my conversation internally from critical and harsh and horrible to being kind and loving was really big and I just had had my son at the same time and so I was learning how to love a little baby and I was really sort of starting how to love me at this real innocent phase um, and starting to be really kind to me was a big shift for me um, and it came a lot of healing came from that um, yeah. well incredible and, and an essential part of the process because you can't do awareness and judgment at the same time as you say no. this is impossible and so yeah. you're going to have to be able to see what's really going on if you're going to change it so that ability to, to exercise compassion is really the start of any journey of yeah. awareness leading to growth. So, amazing. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, you know, really backing yourself in that. And I, I remember the other thing with you, and this is really one of the really crucial moments, like you're saying about our challenging conversations. There was one time I remember you were being really quite challenging in a, a coaching call and you were really saying to me, you know, Miranda, you don't want to change. And I was so frustrated because I was like, Damon, you can't <laughs> tell me that. Like, I do. Like, what do you... And I'm trying to ask you, like, how do you know that? What do you see? And, and you just knew. And... After that call, um, I think there was, again, a point of, like, oh, I could have just gone up, stuff, this is too hard, this is annoying, or, you know, I could have just pursued it. So what I did after that call actually went away for the whole day um, and just spoke to myself the whole day. I just had this dialogue. I went to this walk, and I was like, I'm not 
stopping until we work out what's going on and why you're sabotaging yourself and why you don't want wow. anything good in your life. And I, that was such a key moment for me. I had so many breakthroughs in this conversation with myself. And I remember it was off the back of that, you really challenging me. And, and change isn't comfortable. You weren't there to just be a friend to me. You were there to hold the mirror up and go, Miranda, you know, you're not, you're not connecting in with yourself. And so, yeah, that was a really powerful moment too. Yeah, amazing. And it is, that's the value of the judgment-free space, I think, because I wasn't saying you're a good person or a bad person. It was just like, um, let me uh, let me give you feedback here. Yeah. You are not, you are overestimating your readiness for change. This is still working yeah. too well for you. You are getting yeah. a payoff from this dysfunction. Yeah. You think yeah. it's holding onto you, you are still hanging onto it and you're not done yet. Yeah. And, yeah. and that is one of the most offensive things you can say to a person. And the only yeah. way you could possibly say it is in a clean coaching conversation where the intention is just to get you more of what you want. You know, but the beautiful thing around you're you're the hero. Like no one can actually make you let go of that. And for you yeah. to dig deep and go right, if that is true, why why would that be true? Why would I not want to change? I think I want to yeah. change. I think everything inside wants to change. That's so strange, but it's true. Okay, wow. And then there's a conversation to be had. Yeah, and um, I think you know before that I was looking to you as my solution and my magic pill. Like I'd look to men or you know, my body or anything. I was always looking outside and, and in that conversation I really realized that like, I am the hero and, wow. you know, when I dialogue with myself, because it's a bizarre thing to begin, but it's so important to, to perfect because every time I've actually had key moments, often it's come off the bat of me dialoguing with myself and giving myself time. Sometimes it can take a while and sometimes I ask a question and I can't get the answer for a couple of days, but I have to just keep sitting there. It's like I'm having a relationship with myself. Um but, you know, a, a key thing with it was I remember in that talk, it, she just basically got back to me, Miranda, and said, you know, I said, why do you want to hold on to this pain? Why? What's the payoff? And she just said, well, you don't actually listen to me. We don't actually connect until there's a problem and until there's pain. And, you know, like I'm having a relationship. I, I remember that. that. <laughs> so it was, yeah, really key. Yeah. So sorry I didn't mean to cut you off. I just remember no, no, that breakthrough no, no, moment. And that statement, yeah, it's like your unconscious is not trying to ruin your life. It's just no. like, hey, listen, I will keep the handbrake on here until we have an agreement to work together because I'm sick of being treated as a second-class citizen or as I'm sick of yeah. being mistrusted or not listened to. That's not going to work for me anymore. So it is, it, it is entirely having a relationship with yourself, and I think it's – out of the overflow of a healthy relationship with yourself that you have the capacity to succeed in any area of your life and yeah. you know building that rapport that communication seems so yeah. foreign to people which always is surprising to me because it you know i i wonder how that became foreign like i wonder how we got to a point where the idea of knowing and loving and understanding ourselves became the exception rather than the norm yeah um it just uh, it makes a lot of sense, and so you, for you to discover that for yourself and realize that you had all the answers inside you, uh, you were in fact the hero in the story. You were the one that created the mess. You were the only one that could fix it. And then it. obviously um, that began a pretty amazing journey. Yeah. Any other any other key stuff? Uh, well, just uh, yeah, part on. of that is just getting to that subconscious. Like um, I think I often would just sort of analyze everything in my head and you know think through and journal through things, but when I dialogued out loud, I found. And some other tools I found later on to access my subconscious was really key because otherwise there was a part of me that really wanted to move forward and get my goals and, you know, 
um, break out of it. But then there was that subconscious part that wasn't on board. And until I could communicate with both of them and understand it and, and let the subconscious speak um, and really heal at that level, yeah, it was just fighting battle. I was working for nothing, you know. Um, so, yeah, that was well. key too. Uh, cool. Anything else that, that comes to mind in terms of key pieces of the puzzle that dropped in and went, ah, oh, I understand that now, so that gives me more awareness and choice? Um, I think they were the main ones. Uh, I would say two other sort of tools or pieces were also, you know, and I hear this a lot with coaching, but it really sunk in with the work with you and beyond was you have to be before you can do and do before you can have. So, really focusing on my mindset and being aware of my emotions and the subconscious and all those sides and getting to the bottom of that and shifting at that level and focusing at that until it shifted and knowing then my actions would change, the behaviours would change, the results would change and not worrying about it the other way around. That was a really key one. Um, Hmm. That was a massive shift for my whole life. I'd never operated in that way. Um, And I think a part of that as well and something that you really taught me was it's just all story. So, you know, I had stories that I was the battler, the struggler, battle and fight and never get anything that I wanted or um, I'd try and never get what I wanted or I was unworthy or not beautiful. Whatever the stories were, I just found out from working with you, actually that's a story I created at one point and it's not even true. I didn't always believe that. It wasn't actually, it's not true. It's not about me. And I can choose other stories and they're more powerful and helpful. <laughs> they're not helping me. Yeah. Anytime I have a, story that's not working i'm just like okay i can believe that or i can create this one so that's key as well amazing can you i still remember an incredible conversation with you about a story about a painting from your childhood do you remember that oh yeah 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 would you care to uh, share that that was that was definitely yeah so i remember like yeah about a couple of years old i don't know how old it was but um there was this picture and it's a really famous photo of these three kids and there's a boy and two girls and one of the girls is sitting with the boy and the boy's kissing her and then the other girl is this little blonde girl sitting on the side, you know, looking at them and jealous. And so if you go like Google jealousy or whatever, often it comes up as one of the first images. Um, and I remember I actually, like as a child, looked like that blonde girl and so I often thought like that was actually me. Like I thought that was a photo of me and mm. I always like I'd attributed like just, that, yeah, I was always the one missing out. I was always the one sitting there, undesirable, not seen, not wanted, rejected, uh, abandoned. You know, everyone else was getting what I wanted, whether it was a man or a job or money or body or whatever, and I was the one that was just missed out and left out because there was something wrong with me. And that was a massive story I created. And then from doing these conversations, I found so many. Um, and I just... When I knew that, I knew, actually, that's not real. That wasn't me. <laughs> and I was, well, it was just released me from it. I was able to create that. Yeah, path. sure. I, I mean, there was a piece of the puzzle which, I'm, you know, I remember being uh, very important and useful just to recap, if you don't mind. Because mm. um, I, I asked you a question, you know, why? Why did you identify with that girl? So the first time you saw um, those that painting, you had a choice as to which one you'd identify with and you mm, chose mm. the girl who wasn't winning. You chose the girl who was yeah. on the outer. So yeah. what What was the advantage of choosing that girl? Mm. Uh, how How has that story actually worked for you? Do you remember the answer to that question? Um, not exactly in that, that moment. I remember I've, I've had that same um, example with climbing and other things, but what, what did I say in that one? 
Um, so everyone wants to feel like they matter. Everyone wants mm. to feel love and connection. And so mm. part of you went, I don't have what it takes to be the girl who gets chosen. Mm. So if I'm the girl who's rejected, then that's going to be my strategy. I'll play that card and I'll, I will get pity I'll know and it. I'll get significance yeah. by being yeah. that girl who always misses out yeah. and I'll play that yeah. character really well. Yeah. That'll be my yeah. strategy for, yeah. um, for being able to sleep at night. Yeah, the, so, the self pity one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So just you know, exploring that everything is done for a positive intention, mm. and we're not trying to ruin our life. We're just trying to do the best we know how and use the best option available to us. And so your unconscious yeah. went, well, that 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 strategy actually could that's, work for me because I'm yeah. not sure I could actually be the other girl even if I wanted. So I'm going to be this girl with all my heart. Yeah, and I think as well a big pattern for me was always like that fear of success was because then every time I'd climb up something, I was a big climber as a child, I, I'd always fall, like I'd jump off thinking I could fly or I'd fall out of a car or whatever, you know, and hmm. the falling was a way worse. So I think another thing, a part of that that I realized later was if you get in a relationship and you, you get to close to what you want, um, you're more likely to fall as well and falling's way worse than just staying on the ground anyway, so... Yeah, a part of it was the self-pity card I got to get um, and I was so familiar with. But then another part was also I'm more protected and in a way safe by just yeah. staying here, accepting my fate of just, you know, hopelessness, really. Yeah, amazing. And that, thank you for sharing that because it's just so useful. People are like, how do I rewrite my story? So, yeah, it's one thing mm. knowing what story I'm living out of, but how would I possibly rewrite it? And yeah. I think this big piece in understanding what was the intention of creating that story in the first place, how yeah. how has that story actually been working? It's like, okay, yeah. cool. Until yeah. you replace that strategy with a more resourceful one for feeling significant and worthwhile, you won't ever let go of that story because no. that will leave you, Serving with, you. No, yeah. Yeah, with nothing. Yeah, so, no, cool. Thank and you for I sharing that. And I have clients, you know, where they, because I work a lot with um, women with, with eating and, and health coaching you know, wanting to lose weight. And, and I have some clients that they're so held on to that, that they're the fat, funny girl or whatever, so they don't want to get rid of it because then who are they? And so, yeah, it's, again, we've got this intention. The subconscious is keeping us safe or so we're getting something out of it. And unless we find out another way to do that, we won't want to let it go because we, we're not replacing it with anything. We're left with nothing, which is that's, painful. That's massive. Yeah. Um, cool. So what, what's been the genuine fruit that you've noticed? Like one of the cool things you said is getting over the fact that change doesn't come by behavior management. You don't have to try mm. and fix the end product all the time. You fix the factory, you deal with the beliefs, you, the way you, you show up, who you're being, your identity, yeah. the behavior, the thinking, the emotion, the results will take care of themselves. So what yeah. fruit have you noticed in your life as a result of changing your stories and being secure and doing this work internally? What? Yeah, I think a really big one would be just just that. My mindset, like if I could take a photo of my brain, and look, if I could do a brain scan imaging or something as well, I think my mind would just be completely transformed. You know, it would be my beliefs about me and about the way my world plays out would just be so all different. Like I look back at mm. my old journals, I look back at the things I used to say a few years ago, even last year, two years ago, and it's just completely transformed. In one way, um, I really used to believe that I was only wonderful or beautiful or valuable if I was in a relationship. I literally thought, like, I'm not beautiful mm. and desirable until some man says I am. And so one of the really big shifts 
in me is that, you know, I actually am at a point now where, you know, I get that beauty and desirability in myself and, you know, if a man can see it later on that is shows my standard, meets the standard and all that stuff and we're a good match, great. But if not, that's fine, you know, and that's huge. Mm. I never wanted to be single. I was so uncomfortable with it, hated it, had thought all this judgment about it. So that is such a big shift for me, it's just being comfortable yeah. in me and happy to be single, you know. Um, yeah. That's really big. And a part of that, I think, as well, because my weight journey always went up and down based on my relationships and um, okay. whether a, a man liked me or not. And so only I'd often only lose it when someone liked me and pursued me, uh, and then I'd gain it if they didn't. And it was, like, so out of my <laughs> control and painful and annoying. Um, and so detaching it from that and just, like, my, my weight, my shape, my eating is all about me and how I want to be and how I want to feel about myself and how I want to look after myself um, I already am desirable and I want to just love me better because I, I want to treat me well. And so even my eating and, and my weight has shifted out of that love for myself, never because I need to prove I'm attractive. I need to beat myself into shape. I need to eat, you know, restrict. So even the way I approach just food and, yeah, my, my health is completely different. Um, mm. And then I think as well, you know, I had a real fear. It was always about not enough. You know, it was not enough unless I had a partner. I was not enough unless I had my body a certain way. And I wasn't enough unless I had money. And, and I had real fears around money. And it didn't matter how much I was earning. or I just always was afraid of not having enough and needing more. And even when I had a, a lot, a lot of savings, it was just so distorted. And so, you know, having your own business and entrepreneur, like, you, you can't really worry about that. And money comes and goes and flows and that can't be an obsession and a fear. It doesn't help you create more of that. So that's been a really big mm. shift as well, that anxiety I used to have around that. So that would be the main, like the being side. And then out of that flow, like actually I've attracted more clients. I've lost weight simply and easily. I, you know, <laughs> have more friends and loving relationships. So the having stuff I always wanted actually comes, but it's come naturally from it and I haven't actually even think about it. Um, yeah, yeah, incredible. Mm. Wow. Uh, what stuff are you still working on? Like we're always in, in progress. So what's the next step, stuff for you that's um, part of your challenge of growth at the moment? Yeah, I would say the biggest thing that I've been working on probably since, you know, working with you has been that real subconscious shift. And at, at that real cellular level, like changing it in a really deep way, because sometimes we can know a story isn't accurate and it's not working and, consciously and we know it logically but we don't like necessarily feel it deep inside and you know throughout my life I had a few just traumatic events with parents divorcing my own divorce and it can sort of anchor you into um that emotion and and keep you stuck yeah. in in that emotion so yeah just really getting that subconscious cellular emotional level shift not just in my head but really making it a part of my whole body has been the biggest thing I've been working on um and, and yeah. how are you doing that work? So a lot of it has been, so the book, you recommended me a book one time and it's been like one of my favorite books. It pretty much is my favorite book. Um, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Joe Dispenza. And so he talks a lot about meditating and how to visualize, you know, the old you that you want to let go, the old emotions, and then create the new. So I, I started doing that a lot. Um, I've also found something, it's called, Rapid Transformational Therapy, um, Marissa Peer's doing it and um, I've been studying a bit of her work and doing a bit of that on myself as well with some people. So that's been the main thing. It's sort of a way to really directly talk to the subconscious um, 
and and shift at that level as well. So both of those things have been the way I've been doing it. It's been making a real difference at that deep level as well. Uh, excellent. Yeah, thank you for sharing. That's really helpful. Um, that mm. is such a great book. It's sitting right beside me as we speak. <laughs> it's, under, it's, it's under my fan beside my bed. Oh, nice. <laughs> so I see it every time I go to bed, every time I wake up. And that's, Good. Uh, an anchor thing. Yeah, that really was like... Beautiful yeah. piece of wisdom. Very mm. glad you shared that with me because that was great. Ah, right, cool. Um, what are you most excited about for your future? I think the, a really big thing is passing this on to my son. Um, hmm. You know, I can't necessarily create a life for him. He's a hero of his own story, so I don't know what he's going to do with his stories and his journey, but just giving him this foundation, this insight, this understanding, like I, I know I'm a different mother than I would have been before all of this. So I think that's one of the greatest things, just seeing him grow up and maybe, yeah, how it's going to impact him, having some of these tools that I wish I had when I was growing up as well. Um, I think that's something I'm really looking forward to seeing. And as well, yeah, just my clients and my business, I think I remember once I, I did the work with you and, you know, I just felt, so empowered like yeah so energized so excited and I just wanted to sort of tell the world about it you know <laughs> and um yeah yeah so I'm really excited about just this ripple effect it's going to have and I often thank you for that because you know just all the people that get to benefit from all those shifts that you've helped me well, do as well it's always it's super exciting and I just pinch myself with the joy of being involved in that work and I I think the thing that excites me most is intergenerational empowerment. When when someone mm. wakes up and does this work, um, the impact is is dramatic and flows yeah. on through them, past them, even to people that aren't even born yet. Like will directly benefit from the hero's journey that you've been on. So yeah, really yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Is there anything else that? you think we haven't covered or anything else you'd like to share with people who are in their own journey, ready to face up to working through some of this insecurity stuff? I would just want to leave it with, you know, I think our dialogue to ourselves is so crucial. Um, we're always having a dialogue in ourselves anyway. We always see uh, and think certain ways about us and what's happening in our life. And I love that question you used to always tell me, is it, you know, what, are you, what are you making this mean about you? Like we're always making that, in our head, we already yeah. have these stories, just making them, bringing them to a light, putting awareness on them, having the yeah. conversations I find out loud really powerful um, so that we can actually choose the story and the beliefs and the way we're dialoguing instead of it just naturally going on in our head. Because I think naturally our brain has a negativity bias, you know, psychologists say that, the way that it's made, yeah. you know. People used to get eaten by lions and whatever. There were two positives. So <laughs> um, the brain has been a survival mechanism is, is to, to look yeah. at the negative and maybe be hard on ourselves. So we're, we're actually bent to that naturally if we don't bring it to light, bring awareness and, and shift it ourselves and change it. So I would just want to leave it with, you know, I know I shared a bit about it, but, yeah, just our dialogue, our inner dialogue is so key, the way we speak to ourselves and what we say about things that are going on in our lives. Um, hmm. So just yeah, awareness of that and being kind and curious to yourself about it and shifting it. Outstanding place to leave the conversation. Um, well, mm -hmm. yeah, Miranda, I, I honour you sincerely for the courage and uh, just the way that you've gone about this journey. Like I, I think the hero's journey. When we when we see that, when we hear stories about that, it inspires us and. 
um, because it's high stakes. It's real. Like there was every chance for you to give up, go home, shut up, mm. fall mm. away, but you didn't. You found a way through. You found a way to face this fear and come out the other side. And and because you've done that, everybody wins. So yeah, um, yeah. Thank you for being that person, and and thank you for sharing that story. Thank you. And just I know we just said laughing, but when you said about the hero's journey. I think with that, like just that perspective of knowing like the challenges come in the change. Like I think we think, oh, I know with you, like I like, signed up with you and I was like, yeah, cool. Like yeah, we'll work with Jamin and then like it will be done and I'll like come home and I'll be there for everyone. And, but I think we keep going through the hero's journey in different ways. We keep going to a new level. Sure. Um, and so knowing that, you know, these challenges just keep coming, it's great. It's just our way of like building that muscle, building our strength. Um, I see it like I'm on a bench press and the more it gets thrown at me through life, I'm just getting stronger through it. So, um, yeah, I think that's really key with the hero's journey. Yeah, that's a great, great distinction. It's, there's always new journeys to embark on. That's it. Great. We'll leave the conversation there. Thank you again. I'm sure everyone will find that very valuable. Thank you, Timon. See ya. Now, I hope you really enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Uh, For those of you who've been following my work for a while, uh, I've put out the seven essential practices for overcoming insecurity. Uh, I'm convinced that insecurity can be overcome and not just masked, managed or avoided. Uh, But I think people who throughout time have found a way to show up to life unhindered have done so a certain way. There are keys that each of them have used. And so my work has been to compile these ideas and and make sense of the stuff that's worked and, and deconstruct key ideas so they can be used and reproduced. So look, that's available on my website. Um, I'm particularly interested in having conversations about overcoming insecurity for entrepreneurs and even more particularly 35 to 40-year-old entrepreneurs. I just think entrepreneurs have got skin in the game. They have such a desperate need to solve this problem because it's all them showing up in the world solving problems. So it's good for the world to have entrepreneurs uh, at their best where it matters most. So if that's you, uh, love to have a conversation. Jump on my website, have a look at the seven essential practices and take the online assessment just to see how you measure up against these seven practices and how well you're doing. And I uh, love, love to have a conversation with you if you, th- if you think it could be helpful. I'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to The Insecurity Project. I hope you found the content and conversations useful. And remember, you are not just the actor in the story, you are the storyteller. You have the ability to turn this all around. For more information about overcoming insecurity, check out theinsecurityproject.com.